scripture lesson is quite long. I consider just telling you the story, but I'm going to read it. 15th chapter of Luke, verses 11 to 32. Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the wealth that will belong to me. So he divided his assets between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had, traveled to a distant region, and there squandered his wealth in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that region, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that region, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? And here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father, and while he was far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion, and he ran, put his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead, is alive again and he was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field and he came and approached the house and he heard music and dancing and he called one of the slaves and said, what is going on? He replied, your brother has come home and the father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he'd answered his father, listen, all these years, I've been working like a slave for you. I've never disobeyed your command and yet you never gave me even a small goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Friends, the word of the Lord. Again, greetings to those of you that are here and those that are watching us on YouTube and on FaceTime. In the past 64 years, I've preached nearly 2,000 sermons. And as I was thinking about this morning's message, I asked myself 
if I had but just one more sermon to preach, just one, what would it be? Ask my friend Gary Kuhn, and he'll tell you what that text would be, because he would quick to reply, for he knows the story of the prodigal son is my very favorite in the Bible. I've preached a number of sermons on the topic, all of which are centered on the son who receives his inheritance and leaves home for the big city. It's a parable we love to hear over and over because many ways we see ourselves as the prodigal in a far off land, the loving father or the prodigal son who stayed home. The text has been referred to as the crown and pearl of all parables, the gospel within the gospel. Charles Dickens replied, referred to it as the finest story ever told. George Murphy wrote, it is the most divinely tender and humanly poignant story ever told on earth. Mark Twain, the great American storyteller, was asked, who do you think was the greatest story ever? Twain replied, Jesus Christ. He was then asked, then which of the stories is the greatest that he ever told? And without hesitating, Twain replied, the story of the prodigal son. This is actually the third parable told by Jesus in this chapter to the, to the Pharisees and the teachers who had been muttering, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Jesus then begins by saying, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and one of them leads the fold. Would you not leave the 99 and go into the open country after the lost sheep? He then continued with a second parable about a widow who had lost one of 10 very special, important, valuable point, coins. And she searches and she searches until she finds it. And again, Jesus asks them, wasn't it natural for her to search for the money that was lost? He says there will be great rejoicing in both instances once the sheep and the coin has been found. What Jesus is saying in these parables is that actually the critics were questioning that which would be actually very human to do, that any normal person would do. So this brings us <clears throat> to the parable of the morning that has become known as the parable of the lost or the prodigal son. However, on this Father's Day Sunday, I'm placing the focus on the loving father. We will consider three stages to the parable. Rejection, return, and reception. The father had two sons, the younger whom I'm going to call Ben, the elder I will call Reuben. Picture them after a long day's work, sitting on the front porch, drink in hand, relaxing, and discussing what had been accomplished during the day and laying out plans for tomorrow. 
Ben seemed very nervous that day, and suddenly he blurts out that he wants his portion of his father's estate, which according to Jewish law was one-third of his father's wealth. This would then mean that Reuben, the eldest, would now have two-thirds of the estate and controlling interest. It is suggested that Ben was probably maybe 18 or 19 years old, and like many young people his age, was seeking independence and wanting to get out and explore the world. I can imagine as a father, his father sitting up on his chair and doing everything he can to discourage Ben of this foolishness. But as Prince Harry discovered, Ben realized that being the spare and ultimately he was the fair, it's fair, and ultimately the bulk of the estate would be Reuben's no matter what. So he argued he wanted to go and enjoy life and perhaps build his own estate. Not long afterward, after a number of discussions with the father, Ben takes off with all he owns. One third of the father's inheritance, and he heads off to a distant land, the big city, far from home, from his father and from his mother, and most of all, from his brother. Ben was about to discover what he called the good life. No father, no mother, no older brother to tell him what to do. He was free. He was free. Free from all restraints. In the meantime, the father who loved him was brokenhearted. He feared his son's safety. He stood by the path, tears down his cheeks. And ben arrogantly just walked away. He watched until he could see him no longer way down the road. But in the end, he let him go. Every day the father would go to the path and he would watch to see if by any chance Ben might be returning. He'd always return to the house late that night, his head bent low, absolutely distraught and depressed. He could be heard saying, come home, Ben. Come home, Ben. This is where you belong. Friends, I know what that father was feeling. I know what it's like to have one of your children run away from home. I've been there, and I know how devastating it is. And I feel for that father. Meanwhile, Ben's having the time of his life. He's living the good life, or, or so he thought. Rather than investing his money, he squandered every penny that he inherited. Illegal substances, gambling, you name it, he did it. No restraints. However, a depression hit, a severe famine th uh, spread throughout the entire land, and Ben was broke. Every cent was gone. He'd gone to the ATM to withdraw some funds only to find out the account was depleted. Sir Winston Churchill in his novel The Far Country writes, that alien land was the loss of standards and ideals. 
The young man had an itch for fame and popularity and literally squandered all his inheritance in his quest for this. He's an example of how blinded people become when they think money will buy their happiness and their peace of mind. Broke, hungry, humbled. All his friends deserted him and all his money was gone. However, one friend or one acquaintance offered him a job feeding the pigs on the farm. He was so hungry. He was starved. He was so hungry that he ate some of the pods that were meant for the pigs. What a mighty fall. From his loved father's lucrative farm to a pig pen. A pig pen, Paul. He was totally isolated. He'd hit bottom. No home. No money. No friends. No job. This was even more humiliating because when you realize Jews were forbidden to even be near unclean swine, and here he was in the pig pen with them. And then he has an awakening. It was there when he hit bottom that he came to his senses and he remembered home. He had a longing to return to the father that he left behind. It was the only place he could go now, home. Home. Home to the dad who loved him. He'd return home and he'd see forgiveness and offer to be a servant to his father and his brother. He thought of what he would say and he practiced it over and over on that long, long way home. Father, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me as your hired servant. Picture Ben. He left home so cocky, arrogant, carrying the least of the burden that his absence would leave to others and refusing to listen to his father's pleas to remain home. And now he returns home, broken, penniless, barefoot, tattered clothes, sobbing all the way, thinking what a fool he'd been to leave home. What will I face now? What will I face now? How would dad respond? What would be his reception? Back again, the father is at the road. He's looking. He keeps, every day he looked, and he's looking, and this time, way down, he sees like a little dot that's moving. And he watches. Way off in the distance, this tramp-like figure is stumbling down the road toward the house. Until he reckoned, it's Ben! It's Ben, he cried out. His boy was returning home, and father took off like lightning as fast as the father his age to go with a servant rejoicing all the way that his son was returning home. 
You note Ben barely began his speech when his father threw his arms around him, kissed him, looked at his broken son, and he wept. Can you picture the scene? I can. I've been there. The father called out, bring him a robe. Away with these rags. Put shoes on his feet. He was welcome. He wasn't going to be a slave. He was restored to the position of being a son. Put a ring on his finger. He was gone, but he never lost his status as a son, signifies one of authority. And then he said, let's celebrate. Let's party. Let's party. Let's have milk filet mignon today. My son was lost, and now he's found. This reminds us of God's great love for you and for me. God, our Heavenly Father, is waiting with open arms for us. When we wander far, thinking that we can make it on our own, the Bible tells us that we all are like sheep. We've all gone astray, and that word all is all-inclusive to every one of us. But the exciting news is, when we come to our senses, when we remember home, remember God's everlasting love, God is waiting to celebrate. In fact, the Bible tells us that all heaven rejoices when one sinner returns. So, that's the parable. But wait, I must remind you of Reuben, the older brother, who was far less receptive of his brother's return. He felt he'd been overlooked, taken for granted, and underappreciated, and he reminded his father of Ben's arrogance in his wild living. He was stubborn, sitting on his pity pot, and refused to join the homecoming celebration. You never gave me a party, Daddy. Hear the father pleading with Reuben, you've always been here. All that I own now is yours. Please come in. His prayer for Ben had been, come home. His prayer for Reuben is come in and celebrate. You've always been with me, but your brother has returned. He was lost, and he's found. There's no conclusion to this story, Paul. No conclusion. I wish there was a sequel. We're left wondering if Reuben ever joined the celebration. What was Ben's status after he returned. Perhaps the finale is ours to determine and to write. Are you a wayward prodigal away from God this morning, trying to make it on your own? I admonish you this morning to remember the Father who loves you, who sent his Son to redeem you, who wants to celebrate with you, come home. 
Return to the one who loves you. Come home today. Are you the stubborn prodigal who stayed home? You're bitter with family. There's family broken relationships. Anger. Here the father urge you to put differences aside. To come in and celebrate. God wants to celebrate with you. Come in. Come in. <coughs> Maybe you're the heartbroken parent. <coughs> Excuse me. Because of a son or daughter who strayed, I urge you, never give up. Always keep believing. And keep the welcome mat and keep the light on. Finally, remember today that God loves you. God knows everything you've ever done in your life. God knows every word you've spoken. God knows every thought that's gone through your mind, every step you've taken, everything you've set your eyes on, and yet, as the prophet Jeremiah wrote, God loves you with an everlasting love. And God is waking, waiting to welcome you back into the fold. God loves you no matter what you've done or where you've been. His love never ceases. Come home to him today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever you and me, believes in him, will never perish, but have everlasting life. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that God loved us. So if I had just one sermon to preach, that's it. Return to the one who loves you. Dear God, I've been that wayward prodigal. Who've come home always to your greetings and your hugs and your kisses. I've been that bitter son who've held grudges. only to be outside the celebration. I've been that father, that parent, who has a loved one who's gone. Lord, have mercy. May we this day, as Michael sang, return to the one who loves us. Amen.